Merry Christmas, everybody. We appreciate all the music and the singing and the scripture reading. This is one of my favorite services of the year where we just have time to sing those Christmas carols and rejoice in the birth of our Lord, the greatest story ever known to man. Just give me a few moments as you open your heart and let me proclaim the word to you. The scripture has already been read from Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story. And so from that Christmas story, we have heard it every year, haven't we? I mean, we've heard the same story year after year. It's the same story, the story of Jesus being born in a manger, then angels showing up on the Judean hillside to sing happy birthday to him. It's the same story. Year after year, it's the same story. If we're not careful, we can become so familiar with the story that it loses its impact. You have to be careful that you don't sit there this morning and close off the Word of God because you've heard it before. You've heard it since you've been in Sunday school. I've heard it all my life. And as a pastor, one of my responsibilities is to preach. So every year I have this dilemma, how can I take the story and make it interesting so it can captivate your heart? It's the same story, year after year. And yet I'm amazed that when I look at the story and I read the story, the Holy Spirit who is my paraclete, the Spirit who is the illuminator of the Scriptures. It's amazing to me that when I read it year after year, I see something that I've never seen before. And I believe that if you will take a few moments and a few, a few hours this Christmas season and you will read it, I promise you, you'll see things that you've never seen before. It's kind of like driving a car. And on the way to work, you go on the same road every day, and you don't pay attention to the trees. You don't pay attention to the, the signs. You don't pay attention to the, the grocery store. It's so familiar. You, you're on the same path every day. And then it's kind of like one day you're like, oh, I didn't realize there was a convenience store there. I didn't realize there was a tree there. Because it's kind of like the Christmas story. We've heard it so much that we've we overlook the details of the story. We overlook the importance of the story. Let me remind you that Christianity is the world's largest religion in the world. It is the top one of the third monotheistic religions. You have Christianity, which is 2.3 billion people around the world. Islam is over 1 billion the, Jew, the Jewish people, that's the third monotheistic religion. It's just you know, 2.3 million or so in the world. And so Christianity is a very vibrant religion around the world, and it takes on many different customs and traditions around the world. And there is something special about this religion. What we are actually saying when we celebrate Christmas, when there's 2.3 billion of us, celebrating Christmas, what we are actually saying is that we believe that God, God, the God of the universe, the God that appeared unto Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, the God who appeared to Moses in the burning bush, the, the God who split the Red Sea and let 
the Israelites walk on dry ground, this God came in human flesh. And yet, the paradox is this. The God of the universe came in human flesh. He became a man, but yet He was still God. How can you be man and yet God at the same time? That's the mystery of what you were singing about. What child is this? What child is this? This child is different from all other children of the world. This child is different from all other babies of the world. Do you know why? What child is this that the shepherds are stooping in to look at? Mary is feeding the baby by her breast. Joseph leaning in to keep his fiancée, who he's not even married to, and the baby warm. Shepherds running as fast as they can because an angel told him there's a baby being born in the city of David. What child is this? I mean, when Jesus got older, the multitude scratched their head and said, what manner of man is this that even the demons obey him? What is this child? Ladies and gentlemen, I propose to you, this child is God, he's man, he's wrapped up in one person. He's man enough to sympathize with my heart. He's man enough to understand my struggle. For the, the Apostle Paul said it like this, For we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points, tempted as we are, yet without sin. And yet he is man, and yet he is God at the same time. I'm a student of the Word, and I love the Scriptures. And you know there's other books written besides the Scriptures that never was accepted into the canon of Scripture. 312, St. Athanasius was the first saint of the church who wrote a letter to the church and included all the books of the Bible. The church was reading the books, but it was not in one book. You had Matthew here, Mark here, Luke here. They were dispersed throughout the empire, the region, the providence. That great saint Athanasius, 312, Christianity became official religion of Rome, and in 375, St. Athanasius wrote this letter and said he felt that these were the books, since they were already being read by the church, and the church was already believing them, there was no reason to vote on them. They were already accepted as the Word of God. So through that process, the Scriptures were accepted by the church. But what's interesting to me is that some books never made it into the canon, and there is a book out there that we never accepted as Scripture. You read it, and it's enjoyable to read, but, you know, we never accepted it because it never lined up with what's there, but there's a book about his birth, and they have some 
folk stories in there about Jesus being two years old and, and uh, doing magic with the water. One story states that Jesus found a dead bird and, and he laid hands on the dead bird and the bird came alive again. You know, those stories are spectacular and they never got accepted in the Bible and there's no reason to accept them. But as, I, as, I, as I'm aware of those stories, it reminds me that it's possible that somebody was trying to exalt Jesus' deity. They was trying to exalt Jesus' God-man. But what we fail to realize is that if you exalt him as God, you've got to acknowledge that he was a baby as well. You've got to acknowledge that Jesus had a diaper on. You've got to acknowledge that Jesus was a helpless little baby who fed at the breast of his mother. And the Bible says that they, Mary took swaddling clothes and wrapped the baby. Why did she do that? Well, it was custom. Because disease was so rampant, it was custom to wrap the baby really tight to keep it safe and protect it from the diseases that was so contagious made sense. History tells us that multiple babies would die because they would wrap the baby too tight. And yet, in the Christmas story, Mary wraps Jesus with swaddling clothes. He is a man, but yet he's divine. And yet, she wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and I can't help but to think that our Savior, the God of the universe, was wrapped in something that was tangible, something that was made of cloth, something that was made with human hands. God was simply saying, I want to be one of you, but I want to be wrapped with what you are wrapped with. I want to be wrapped with your pain. I want to be wrapped with your suffering. I want to be wrapped with your confusion. I want to know what you are experiencing. And yet, he grew up to be a man, ladies and gentlemen, and it seems as though the Scripture tells us again that the Bible says that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus came and begged for the body of Jesus, and they brought his body down from the cross. And what did they do to that precious body? The same thing that Mary did when he was born. They wrapped him in linen cloth and put him in the tomb. Because even in his death, Jesus was saying, I want to sympathize. I want to feel what you are feeling. wrapped him in linen cloth, laid him in a manger. A manger? It's not the mangers that we are used to seeing. A manger in biblical days was a rock, usually cued out of the mountain. Because it was a feeding trough where animals would feed. So they would come up and they would feed at the feeding trough. Something that was hewed out of the mountain. Some of you have been to Israel and you've seen some of those feeding troughs that they would put food in. And yet, there was no room for him in the end. 
And yet they just found quickly a feeding trough and she gave birth to the baby and quickly wrapped it and laid it in a manger. Laid it in a what? Manger. A rock manger. Hewed out of the mountain. And yet the gospel reminds us that even in his death he was laid in a rock tomb. You see, do you see what the writers are trying to tell us? That the God of the universe came down and He was wrapped because He wants to feel what you're feeling. He wants to sympathize with what you are sympathizing with. And even in His death, they wrapped His body. And even in His birth, they laid Him in a manger hewed out of the mountain. And even in his death, they laid his body in a rock tomb. I think Christmas is telling us, the story of Christmas is telling us that God is trying to tell humanity that I want to be wrapped with your suffering. You see, there's religions around the world who fast and pray more than you do. There's religions around the world that would put you to shame. You feel insignificant. They fast and pray, shave their head, they give their alms, they pray to their God year after year, week after week, fasting and praying to a God who don't hear them. Thousands of religions around the world. They pray to a God. Why are they praying to a God? Because they want a God who can understand the turmoil and the unrest in their heart. And they seek after a God who can understand them. And yet the Christmas story that we have proclaimed as a church for 2,000 years, we proclaim that we have a God who understands our pain. He understands our weaknesses. He understands our sin. He understands our struggle. And He still loves us. That's the story. And some of us, we've been racked with pain. Some of us, we've been racked with doubt and unbelief and we've been hurt. How can a God understand me? That's the story of Christmas. I want to come down and feel your pain. Sometimes you've got to be like Mary. Sometimes when you're hurting and you're confused, sometimes you're like, where is God at? Christmas story teaches us that sometimes you've got to be like Mary, kneel at the manger, wipe the hay from his face, and look at him. Sometimes we have so much hay in our life, we have so much mess in our life, we can't see his face. But the Christmas story teaches us 
that God is born in the stinky stables of your life. And sometimes you can't see God, but you've got to take a moment and wipe the hay from his face and look at him. He's born in the middle of your mess. That's the God we serve. Sometimes he's not recognizable. He don't look like a God, does he? If he's a God, where's his servants at? If he's a God, where's his palace? Because he didn't look like a God. You know, he just looked like a baby. And sometimes we forget that even in the stables of our life, the messes of our life, a stable is messy. Life is messy. Sometimes we forget that God is really there, but he don't look like God. Sometimes in the messes of our life, God shows up in another person. And they tell you that they love you. Sometimes we don't think that that's God, but God shows up like that. Sometimes when you're hurting and your heart is broken in a million pieces, it's that one person that says, I'm praying for you. That's God in the stable of my life. The greatest story ever known to man is that he left the worship of angels, took off his royal robe, took off of his crown, and supernaturally came into the womb of a virgin. It's no wonder, Sister Beth, angels showed up. <laughs> they started singing because angels was like, dude, that's some freaky stuff there. I don't know what just happened, but I'm coming to show you some glory. <laughs> I just don't know what happened there, but angels showed up and said, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Goodwill to me. Mary said, how can this be? I've not been with a man. The angel said, the Spirit will come upon you and overshadow you. God became a seed. Because everything great in life begins with a seed. Never doubt it. The step to wholeness and healing starts with something little. It starts with a seed. Greatness was birthed in the seed. Lastly, the Bible says that Shepherds roaming the field at night, roaming, doing their business. Shepherds, you know, get a bad rap. But somebody had to take care of the sheep. And somebody has to take care of those stinky sheep. Can I hear an amen? They're out there, and the Bible says they were keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, these shepherds 
wasn't on third shift. These shepherds, this was their life. They were out there taking care of their sheep. This is not something they just did once in a while. This was their life. And the Bible says, and I, I read this, and you know, when I read the scriptures, this popped out. Luke 2, and I just want you to see one phrase, right? Is this all right? Somebody say amen. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse number 8, now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the field. They're living in the field. These shepherds, this is their job. They're living in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Hold on. Did you get it? Dirty, stinky sheep. Dirty, stinky shepherds watching their flock all night long on a field. Let me say that again. Dirty, stinky sheep, smelly shepherds, watching their flock in a field at night. Did y'all get that? Let me say it one more time so we're all on the same page. Dirty, stinky sheep, dirty, smelly shepherds, watching their flock at night. And then suddenly, the glory came on the hillside. That tells me <laughs> that your situation don't have to be perfect for the glory to show up. Can somebody shout amen? I said your situation doesn't have to be perfect for the glory to show up. Say, Lord, I need your presence, but I got to be perfect. No. If the glory can show up on a hillside with dirty sheep and dirty shepherds, the glory can show up. At... Somebody give me a high five right there. The glory can show up. Behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. <laughs> and they were so afraid because when the glory shows up, it shines round about you. I said when the glory shows up, it shines round about you. In other words, there is a tangible evidence that you've been with God. The glory showed up. The glory showed up. So as we celebrate Christmas this season, let us remember the greatest mystery of all. The mystery of God and man wrapped with our pain, wrapped at His birth and wrapped at His death, laid in a hewed-out stable at His birth and laid in a tomb at His death. He wanted to feel your pain. Let's remember that the glory shows up in unpredictable places, places that's dirty. The glory shows up. Sometimes, if you're going to recognize God, you've got to remove the hay from His face. I promise you, every one of you that feel discouraged about your life, 
He's there in your stable. You need to look for him. He may show up as a person in your life. He may show up as a new job, whatever. He may show up as a kind gesture. God shows up. And I encourage you that this sermon has no bearing in your life unless you accept the child. I'm asking you, come and kneel and pay homage to the baby. I'm asking you to join in with the angels. I'm asking you to run with the shepherds. I'm asking you to get there and devote your life to this baby. I was six years old, and I gave my life to him. My life has never been the same since. I'm not perfect, but I make progress. God didn't call you to be perfect. He called you to make progress. Instead of seeking for presence, why don't you just be a presence in somebody's life?